chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome to the Noon Dish. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. is Don Callahan. That is the expert in the building. Mr. Callahan comes to us from the man tower. Don, what's happening today, my friend? I'm glad that we're going to have a real expert. I know, you really. Know, hopefully make me look good. Um, so, so if you're looking so. at the title of this podcast, The Noon Dish, The Recruiting Landscape with Tom Lemming, um, we felt like we needed to bring somebody in that actually had some gravitas <laughs> on the subject. Um because Don has been uh, ignoring me lately, so he went and got somebody, a big-timer, to, to brighten up my day. We'll have Mr. Lemming join us here shortly. But, Don, let's get in it. Uh, yep. Last week's or two weeks ago, chat MVP, who was it? Jim Holland, who um, has been in here a while. So if Jim's in here now, congratulations. And then also let me know if you have been chat MVP more than once. I can't think, think he has. Would, I don't think he has, but he's been in there so much. We only have one two time, right? Is it who's the two time? Was it Crowley? Maybe Sean. I can't keep up. Sean, with are that. you the, Sean should know this. Sean's always in. Sean, are, are you the two the only two time chat MVP? And if not, do you know who is? It's one of the regulars. Of course, Mark's in here, Preston's in here, Sean's in here. They're yeah, all I here. I remember who it was. Our water cooler discussion has become quite familiar with a lot of people. Uh, and uh, we wanted to do a top five list for later in the show, but I think Don's going to win out here on his choice for top five. And, and folks in here that are regulars, mix it up for us sometimes. Shoot us some top five yeah. ideas because Don thinks that my top fives are always How things people that piss me off. Piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we want to make them a it's little so happy. On, for those who know Tommy Ashley, it's so on brand. That is not accurate. <laughs> I am the nicest person you will ever meet. You are you are a very nice person, but you are always aggravated. You're always ready to fight people. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, it, I'm cold, man. We covered the baseball game last night. Carolina. So Mark Eva. says. Mark says. Um. Sean is the only two times. So Sean, what are you doing, Sean? We're on. I know you're in here because I seen you. Sean's right started. there. He's already there. Yeah. Smash yeah. That like so he actually started messaging. Um, yeah, I don't understand how that works. You can chat before it starts. Yeah, I think once you start it all up. Because that's one thing on the the, the basketball so, post game podcast. You come in there and people are already flaming it out. Yeah. You know, so maybe he he got in there, made uh, posted some messages, and then he went to sleep. May, or maybe got some lunch, but what, so what is our top five? You tell me. You wanted to do comic book characters. I don't <laughs> read comic books. Uh, I don't with, either. But at least, I mean, I think everybody knows some. You you could go from the movies. I mean, whatever. Like Marvel or Marvel or Avengers uh, or things. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Top five. We can do that. We right, do top okay. five. Are we doing Avengers or are we doing DC no, comics or does it matter? Any, whatever comic, it could be you know DC comic comics it could be maybe you i mean i i read comic books a little bit when i was a kid i actually just before i moved i guess my prior house i sold all of my old comic books but they weren't in great shape but um beyond that 
um yeah, I mean, I don't even like the movies that much. I've seen some of them. I feel like there's so many of them, and they're they're so such a big deal that you ha- you you had to have at least seen a couple of them. Yeah, even if I you're not big. I think some of them are cool, but uh, we'll get into it. I put it in the chat: top five comic book characters that can include um, Avengers, DC Comics, Batman, Spider Man, all that good stuff. Whatever you like, so hold that for the end and, and drop them in the chat. Yes, well, drop in the like, well, drop in chat throughout. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I just you know I got to be able to keep up with that and yeah. uh, to keep up with you and then a real expert that we'll have here shortly is going to be is going to be a challenge. But let's look. Let's talk about your scoop from earlier today and yesterday that you dropped. Sort of an expansive look at North Carolina, the state of North Carolina the class um, that is the 2025, excuse me, 2025 class. Let me ask you a question. How do you determine your tiers? Is it offers? Is it what? And explain your tiers. It is. um, So ultimately the ranking is based off of my evaluations and my conversations um, with, with other people, with, with college coaches, high school coaches, uh, scouts, that sort of thing. This is kind of is is kind of just my initial kind of thoughts but then also kind of looking at what is the quote-unquote market kind of saying like if a kid has a gazillion offers like like david sanders has got to be in that top tier you know what i mean um and because it's not just be, and it's not just you can't just purely go off of offers because you know all these kids have 40 offers and then end up choosing you know we had a, we had a kid from um the tidewater area had a gazillion offers end up choosing unc charlotte you know, so so you can't really go off of offers, but what you can do is kind of get a feel for who's truly recruiting these kids, and so that kind of gives you a feel for what the market is saying too. So there's a little bit of a, uh, I guess early on there's an influence of that to kind of get my mind right for those things. But what ultimately it just helps me, you know, when you're looking through, I mean, if you're watching film and a lot of it's a lot of different settings, obviously you're not doing it just straight. You know, you got to take some breaks, but even so. If you watch a dozen kids, I mean, you're talking about a few hours, so it's difficult to kind of recall, even with your notes, just exactly what you saw when you first started towards the end or maybe what you were watching, you know, a week prior and all that. So what it helps me kind of organize it into tiers so then I can kind of tackle a tier. And if I feel like, hey, this kid maybe belongs in a different tier, I can kind of I can kind of do that also. Does that answer I mean, your question? Yeah, well, to a certain extent, because I want to ask you, just so people understand the amount of work that you do on this and then everybody else um, that's in this game, the recruiting game, how many players in each class, roughly, do you have to evaluate to, to be able so I to think fully, fully cover? So, all right, so back when I was doing a top 50, I mean, I was evaluating, watching film, taking notes, all that sort of stuff. It, it would end up being like, like 300 something kids because it's not just the top 50. I'd also have 25 addition to that, which brought me up to 75 uh, of recruits who are honorable mention, you know, Um, because when I initially started, I wanted to give as much attention to as many kids as possible. Cause obviously, I mean, David Sanders doesn't need any, you know, doesn't need any additional publicity, but some of these other kids on the end of the list, but that just became way too time consuming. So now I only do a top 25 and usually what happens is um, the top 25 are just guys who are end up being power five players. So usually I can give a quick look on a kid or, or check his measurables or, or whatever it is and just say, okay, this kid is not, you know, he's not a power five guy. So I can kind of just toss him aside, but there's a lot of kids you look at and you're like, all right, group of five guy, but let me, let me keep them on my, on my list to kind of reevaluate over and over again. So, so, so we're talking probably about hundred ish, you know. It's a lot of a lot of young men you got to, to evaluate every year. It was interesting. Jason Staples and I did a um, scouting report podcast on the transfers, mm-hmm. and, and one of those transfers was the D three guy Zach Greenberg from Muhlenberg Community College or C- Muhlenberg College, and I asked him. How do you evaluate somebody? And this goes to directly to you as well. How do you evaluate somebody that's just bigger and better than the competition? How do you know if this person's actually good? Yeah. So I think the that's that's the the main question here. And college um, uh, pro pro teams have to do the same thing because 
you even on that level, you're not always going up against elite talent. So I think the way I go about it is you, you focus on the measurables. Yes, there are always exceptions, but in reality, there is a profile for every position as far as height, weight, length, you know, speed, agility, all those sort of things that really matter. And yes, again, there are guys who defy those, but they have to def defy them in, uh, in other ways. And so, um, but in general, you focus on the measurables the, the, um, and then the athleticism, you know, um, and that's why you're seeing like particularly with 247, but also with the NFL draft, there's such a reliance on just how athletic those guys are. They, you know, they always talk about how they love kids who excel at other sports because it shows just how they, how transferable those um, that athleticism is. And um, and then just really, you know, it's so hard, but trying to get a gauge of just um, what type of player they are, you know, what their mentality is and, and their approach. And I think you and this is one of the things that Mac Brown has has really kind of leaned on heavily recently is, you know, grades. I mean, you you had boys who just well not just but they have graduated high school in reality you know if a kid can't get good grades in high school it's it's not because of their intelligence it's because of their work ethic you know and so work ethic is really important because if you're you know a big guy obviously you can dominate smaller guys but once you get to the next level everybody everybody's big guys so are you going to do the extra work required to um you know to to take that step to be able to beat those bigger guys but it's such a crapshoot with all of it and if you really go back and that was one of the things that we actually did in the prior weekly scoop um you you just see just the hit rate is what or i don't know 50 percent 60 percent and that's for colleges you know and, and and really nfl teams you know we talk about draft busts all the time they spend millions and millions of dollars researching all of these college players and still mess up a good bit of time because it's it's still such a crapshoot so and, and you may have it in that scoop and i freely admit i didn't read last week so i did read this week's but uh what what is the number one person you missed on either too high or too low there's oh, one standout man. man um i don't I, i'd have to really look back you know i was the one i was really kind of disappointed in was like a um, Elijah Hood. I mean, I remember being at high school game. He just kind of flamed out. Though. Yeah, I just, I mean, I just envisioned a guy who was going to be, you know, a very high draft pick, mm -hmm. you know. And I, obviously there's some off-the-field stuff that kind of contributed to him not living up to those expectations. And I felt like he could have done more in North Carolina. I just remember in high school he was just so incredibly dominant. You know, he was so strong, powerful, and his speed, nobody ever talked about his speed, but he would go to a combine and have one of the fastest times there, you know, and it was just a great kid um, from great school, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd have to go back and look. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of them. I feel like what ends up happening is you put these rankings together and the guys who just kind of fall off, you just forget about them because you're not reminded of them in college. You know what I mean? And so it's easy to kind of move on. And, and I have so many names in my head that whenever I can push out a bunch of them out of my brain, it's helpful for me for, to prepare for the next class. So that's kind of part of it, too. So you, so you just freely admit you just forget people. Like if they don't live up to expectations, you just forget them. I mean, that, that yeah, sounds I mean, like I, a pretty shitty it, way to it do might it. Sound, <laughs> <laughs> it might sound weird, but I am actually terrible with names. I'm good with faces. But when I, I see someone, I'm always like, and, and you probably have caught on to this. I'm always like, uh, he went to Independence High School. I just can't remember his name because I'll remember the school and everything. But like sometimes after a couple of years or I start to I remember the one time and this happens actually a lot. But I'll go to a school and I'll be like, yeah, I'm trying to figure out the last time I was here. And you had so and so. And and they'll be like, no, we had this guy more recently. And I'm like, really? I thought this guy was further back. So there's a little bit of, you know jumble in my brain a little bit i understand completely it's only gonna get worse uh we're gonna make it better now though because we're gonna bring in a guest that you've lined up for us if i can do this seamlessly uh we'll bring in a true expert in the <laughs> game um the, the one that don looks up to mr tom lemming how you doing tom i'm doing great how you guys doing 
We are well. I'm going to let Don sort of introduce you and bring you in and get you up to speed here. And I'm going to sit back and watch two, two recruiting experts discuss this stuff. Yeah, I mean, Tom is, for, for those who don't know, I mean, if you've been following recruiting a long time, you know Tom. Because way before, I guess, the internet sites came about, the only way you were getting your recruiting information was from Tom's newsletter, his magazine, that sort of stuff. He's on CBS Sports now. I mean, the list of things, and I'll let you get into it, Tom. The list of things Tom does now, has been doing, is just, I, I, there's no way I can name all of it. But, I mean, I view Tom as basically the, the follower of football recruiting coverage. Because, and let me just ask you, wasn't it like in the late 70s when you kind of first start doing this? Yeah, Don. It was, um, my first trip was the fall of 78 when I went and, um, because since then, I, you know, I've tried to go see every top player in the country. That first year, I stopped at the Rockies because I ran out of money. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't go out that far past West. But I, I did see Dan Marino that first year and Eric Dickerson in Sealy, Texas. Wow. And I talked to John Elway. I didn't go out to uh, the West Coast to see him. His dad was head coach at San Jose State at that time. Uh, but I did talk to him and his dad. And um, that, that's, that was a long time ago. It was 45 years ago. Uh, it doesn't seem that long, but yeah. it does. It does when I'm driving. I'm I'm getting ready in about three weeks to drive 11,000 miles in 28 <laughs> days. That's my West Coast trip, which is always a bit of a hazard weather-wise. Uh, I do like the scenery, but weather-wise, it could be a problem. Last year, I got caught in a massive snowstorm with 70 mile an hour winds in Wyoming, and I figured, hey, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Yeah. So let me. Because as I said, I mean, you were the first to do it. So obviously that, that idea of covering college football recruiting was not out there. So what, how did you come up, how'd you come up with this that, that you were going to cover it and that people were going to actually subscribe to it? You know, I never went to college after I got out of high school. I ostensibly went to work to get to Western Illinois where my brother was going. But instead I traveled around the world. I was in the um, Kremlin for a few months during <laughs> communist Russia went into the pyramids in Egypt. Then I realized around when I was 22, 23 years old, that I had nothing to fall back on. So I started working as a stringer for the Southtown Economist on the south side of Chicago. My sister had worked there, got me a job for $5 a night. You go cover a game. And I realized that people didn't care about St. Rita playing Mount Carmel as much as they cared about are the players going to Michigan or Notre Dame or Ohio State. And then I realized, well, maybe this is something I can do. No one really did a national thing. There was Parade Magazine, which had, I think, 50 players, the top 50 guys in the country, but no write-ups about the players. There was a lot of local stuff in each section of the country. I would go down to Tuscaloosa, where my best friend's family was, and they covered Alabama strictly, nothing else, not even Auburn. And I figured when I do that around the country, I would just travel the nation and see the top Back then, top 300 players because, you know, you couldn't get them in groups and it was tough uh, with film. So uh, I just started uh, slowly but surely covering the country, 78, 79. Then when uh, VHS tapes, tapes came up, they kind of coincided with me. I started collecting the tapes in boxes and I would keep them at my house. And throughout the 80s and 90s, uh, everyone came to my house to watch film. Mac Brown told me that he came in 1979 as an assistant at Iowa State to come to my house. Uh, but back then, there'd be 10, 11, 12 coaches in the basement with two TV monitors and just throwing in tapes, whatever they wanted to watch. Sean Payton, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer. Guy, Urban came in 88, he told me. But all the way through, there were always coaches coming by, and I was able to then get a collective opinion of the top players nationally. It really worked out great. Being the only guy that was a super prep magazine, but I, he had other people writing for him like myself and other people, but really being the only guy in it from to almost throughout the whole 80s and early 90s until interset, internet st uh, started coming up in the late 90s. It was great. Now there's hundreds of people in it. I still like it and uh, I still enjoy the travel and it's gotten a lot better. I picked up Scholastic Coach Adidas where I picked it, which is now Gatorade. And then when USA Today came into existence in 1982, I've been picking the team ever since, uh, or up until the last couple of years where they don't really do anything. I got into ESPN back in the 80s, a little bit after Mel Kuyper did. Uh, I was doing their recruiting for him, and then uh, the last 18 years with CBS. So every now and then I picked up, and I, I, I picked the first Under Armour game. I started, I picked the first 12 U.S. Army All-America games 
and then the Semper Fi game, and now I'm back doing the U.S. Army game. So as I went along, things fell into my lap. So let me ask you a question, Tom. It's fascinating to, to hear you discuss it. First part of the question is, when you started doing this, did you ever imagine what it would turn into now, 40 years later, 45 years later? Um, or did you kind of know this might be something that people are really going to like and I could really do something with this? I didn't know it's going to get this big, but I did know that, you know, on signing day back in the old days, everyone would announce the day before or signing day or the day after, never like they do now. And it was uh, it was almost like a holiday all the way up until about 15 years ago when ball players started. Well, we got him. I, I actually got Chris Leak to be the first guy to announce on for the U.S. Army game. And Chris came down to, you know, five schools. We had him rush him the last week. Matter of fact, the rule got in place by the NCAA because he was taking private planes to Iowa, Texas, where Mac Brown was, Florida, Florida State. And then the next year, NCAA, the NCAA said, no more of these private planes for these recruits. He had done it all in one week, even though he had already silently committed to uh, Florida. People didn't realize that. And it was, um, I think, things like that that got really picked up recruiting. But then that kind of hurt all the guys announcing on Sunday. Actually, our first guy was Ron Paulus. I was doing an ESPN show in 1991 with Mike Gottfried. And um, our number one player in the country is Ron Paulus out of Berwick, Pennsylvania. And he announced live. That was the first guy ever to do it on national TV. Uh, it was Dan Debingham, who was uh, the guy there at ESPN before Chris Fowler and Mike Godfrey. And now we did a whole two-hour show just and not having Ron Paulus announce and then talking about where all the top players go. And that was 33 years ago. So uh, times, times have certainly changed. And now the ballplayers are doing it on Twitter individually, which is probably better for them. When we did the Army game, you'd ask them one question, then they'd say, okay, well, which school is going to be? And um, the family stood behind them. But it wasn't a whole lot of time like it is now. They could have, they all hold uh, their old, their own press conferences, at least the top 300 do. So, And those guys, those guys have the ability, to your point, to sort of build their own brand and put it all out there and all. Let me ask you, go back to the coaching thing. How did, how did it work with coaches wanting to come to your house? I mean, did, did Mac Brown or – Urban Meyer or Saban say, hey, Tom, I need to come check out. I need to come check out the videos. How, how was that process? Because that seems pretty wild to the normal person looking at recruiting and, and sort of seeing how the process worked back in the old days. Yeah, you know, is um, gradually Vanderbilt was the first guy to do it. Because when I started, Lloyd Carr became a good friend of mine, the, the former head coach in Michigan. Lloyd was at Illinois when I was starting out, and then him and Gary Muller, they had gotten fired, and they moved back with Bo Schembecker's staff. And um, Lloyd had told me one story uh, in a meeting. Bo Schembecker said, Who's the, who the hell is this guy in Chicago telling everybody we got three quarterbacks coming in? And Lloyd goes, well, Coach, we do have three coming in. He goes, yeah, but we don't want people to know it. Because <laughs> back then in the recruiting late 70s, everything was announced usually at your spring game. No one knew what was going on in February. It was all quiet hush hush and that was my goal it was to visit the ball players personally talk to them on the phone and try to get them to say what schools they were leaning to and everything else 1986 cnn flew me down and i was going to do a one-hour show with uh, nick charles and Dwayne hickman and um i had seven hours to kill so nick says why don't you predict where the top 10 guys are going and um i'm not real good at predicting so i called all 10 nine of them including emmett smith told me as long as i wasn't going to say where they're going they would tell me, as I guessed, where they're going. Emmett had told me Florida. The only guy who didn't was a guy named Frank Jacobs from Kentucky who wound up going to Notre Dame, and I guessed Notre Dame. So I got all 10 right, and they thought I was a genius, not realizing that nine of the guys would tell me where they're going to go. But that was always around signing day. That's why you could always depend on everybody going at that time. But coming to my house, like I said, Mac Brown came as an assistant. Mac also came as a head coach to my house, bringing Tim Brewster, I think, his first day on the job as a – graduate assistant and we talked recruiting but Vanderbilt got the word out there that I had a lot of films at my house they actually brought 16 millimeter film with projectors that they were wow. showing on my wall in my basement here in Chicago and uh, after that the VHS tapes were out there and they started all picking up and gradually Nick Saban was an assistant coach Urban was at Ohio State as a graduate assistant at the time when they could travel 
Um, just about everybody, uh, you can mention guys, Sean Payton in the pros, Jim Harbaugh, all of them came by the house to watch film. And I would just sit there, ask a lot of questions. Most of the guys are forthcoming. A lot of, you know, some, there were some that were kind of, you know, they'd always, I'd watch them taking notes and they have their arm around their notes. I said, coach, <laughs> everybody's here. We all know what's going on. Uh, but it was fun. And it was, um, it was great. Uh, the, um, Joe Morrison, um, a lot of the guys that were at from South Carolina, uh, North Carolina coaches were always coming by the house, probably uh, well before around the time Matt came when he was at Iowa State. So there were um, a lot of guys. And again, that's why I think I got better. I would ask them, O-line coaches, what they look for. And I would always take notes, quarterback coaches, what you look for. And so I would pick up on things like that and just take notes and follow along with, you know, the criteria they would use on how they would recruit a ball player. So after 45 years, I've gotten pretty good at at least knowing what to look for, but although no one's ever perfect, you're always going to be missing out on some of the players. So the one thing you mentioned about your travels, how you travel the nation, um, for, do these photo shoots, which I, I have, um, been, um, been at plenty for the past, I don't know how many years. Um, I remember when I first started now, I, I obviously in, in addition to going to your photo shoots, I go to the actual high schools in the state of North Carolina. And I can remember, and I think I started in 2008, 2009. And there were a lot of coaches who gave me a lot of pushback. And there were some coaches who wouldn't return my calls, some coaches who would grill me on what I was doing. And there was a lot, I mean, it took, it took actually probably about five years before I really wasn't dealing with so much pushback. So I imagine that, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you probably dealt with a lot of pushback from, you know, maybe recruits, maybe high school coaches or whatever it would be. What were some of the obstacles that you kind of had to deal with early on with just talking to some of these, these recruits? Recruits are always pretty good. I, I remember seeing Dan Marino. I thought he was a little cocky and then he worked with us at CBS and I had brought that up to him. I said, you know, I remember you 40 years ago, you were cocky. And I said, you're still cocky. <laughs> but uh, Most of the other guys, the kids love the attention because, like I said, I was the only one actually seeing them nationally. So they weren't getting bombarded by a lot of the Internet people and people that are going on, on the top of the players. The coaches were a big hassle because I was 23 when I started and they didn't like talking to a 23 year old coming to the school. And back then I went to every school. And um, a lot of times they, they weren't available. And, you know, there were no cell phones. I would make my calls on a trip, maybe a hundred of them, and have the coach lined up. And then I'd get to the town like Aberdeen, Mississippi, and the coach wasn't available. I didn't, mm -hmm. and I'd have to go into one of those pay phones. Kids nowadays don't even know what a pay phone is, but I yeah. go into the booth and call and call and call. And I go, hey, I'm all the way down here and you're not available. Mm. So the coaches were a lot more difficult. Nowadays, coaches are great with me. Um, yeah. The only school I have a problem with is IMG normally. I think I've written some things about how they, they kind of recruit great players, even though they try to take credit for developing the guys. They bring kids in with 30 to 40 offers already, mm. so they're already well-known. So IMG, the last four years, wouldn't even allow me to come by their campus. So they're the only ones nationally. I've, I get along with everybody and uh, – um, I find it great. I, I've built up a reputation. So a lot of the coaches know who I am. A lot of the coaches I interviewed in high school. Uh, uh, so it's been around. There's guys like Bruce Rollinson, who's still hanging around modern day. He was kind of pushed down, even though he's probably the most famous coach in the country. And uh, he started or almost around the time I did. Bill McGregor at DeMatha. Guys that are still in the business with 40 years experience. There aren't many of them left. Uh, so now there are a lot younger guys that, uh, like I said, I probably interviewed in high school. Yeah. And so just to kind of take it, I guess, to modern day, um, how, do you I mean, do you look at like like, for example, I know you just came to North Carolina, the state of North Carolina, I guess it was what, like a month ago. Uh, do you like look at it from, you know, each state class by class? Like, can, can you do you have a feel for how good this north, this state of north, the in-state North Carolina uh, recruits are compared to prior North Carolina classes? Yeah, I could generally tell, but North Carolina is almost always good, much better than South Carolina. That's why whenever I hear South Carolina beat them in your Shrine Bowl, I say, oh, how could that happen? There's no, there's maybe 10 good players in South Carolina where there's 40 good ones in North Carolina. So it's a great, it's a, it's like Maryland, two outstanding, and New Jersey, three outstanding states that people don't really give a lot of credit to. 
and North Carolina is almost always loaded. Some years are better than other years, but every year is good. And that's why I think you could you could um, supply Duke and North Carolina State and North Carolina and Wake Forest, but and East Carolina and uh, with a lot of talent. Um, and that and then you got everybody else coming in stealing players too. So I think North Carolina is one of the more underrated states nationally. That's why I spent a lot of time in there. And what I normally do is like our top players, Don, and you and I talk about some of the kids early on. I'll call the top 10 to 15 guys before I actually get there. Then I have to call the rest after I get there, which is a hassle because, you know, there's always guys that show up that we don't want there. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel I feel obligated to make sure the kids are included in the magazine because, you know, they come out there and it's a big deal for them. Uh, and what I do a lot of, I, I had written a few years ago that when I drive, like right now I'm stopped, but I've got my phone over the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. And what I do, uh, a couple of years ago, I was driving from San Antonio to El Paso, which there's absolutely nothing in between except desert. You can go 60 miles without a gas station. So I wrote that. I knocked off 200 films because everybody sends me their huddle films. And I feel obligated to at least watch them for a couple of minutes or a minute a piece or so. And I'm left-handed. I would be taking notes along here as long as there's no one alongside me on Interstate 10 because there's hardly anybody out there. My brother, who was one of the heads of the state police, a lieutenant colonel in Illinois, he read that story. And he says, you know, if I caught you, I'd, I'd arrest you and bring you to jail for watching those films. So I always got to be careful who's around me. I had gotten my last speeding ticket six years ago in Wyoming. And I was I always use this excuse with the policeman that I said, oh, officer, I'm sorry. I was trying to pass that truck. He starts laughing. He goes, you look 10 miles this way and 10 miles behind you. There was no one. I said, <laughs> okay, you got me. Because you can go down Interstate 80 in Wyoming and not see anybody for miles and miles. And same thing from San Antonio to El Paso. Texas is such a wide state. It goes almost, it's 900 miles from Beaumont to El Paso. Mm. And a lot of that, you see no one along that, except yeah. especially the desert area of West Texas. So I feel comfortable as long as there's no one alongside me taking notes and knocking off some of those films. You got to do what you got to do sometimes. I mean, I've, I've right. well... I don't want to say I've never done anything while driving, but uh, <laughs> there are plenty. I mean, just about in every situation I have worked, you know, weddings, whatever it may be. I mean, you can ask my family about that. But uh, in, in the in-state, in the North Carolina guys, not UNC, but you North Carolina guys, who are, I guess, maybe some of your favorites from this uh, in-state class? From this year? Um, the, 2025, player, well, the 2025 class I'm talking about. Oh, the coming year. Let me, yeah. I would say, um, let me see. Um, well, name some, throw some names in. I can tell you that because I've seen them all now, except there was one guy that Thomas Davis, who's 2026. 20, I don't think he was there. And you said he was, but I'm not sure. I don't remember. They seeing came him at the end. Him and so he was uh, TJ. He came with his two twin cousins, the Harris oh, okay. twins. So um, I knew you got I a like, photo yeah. of them, but they might not have filled out a um, questionnaire. I like the 26 guys like Harrison is, you know, Kendry's one of, one of the great yeah. players I thought was big time. I liked him. A lot of them. I invited uh, Gus Ritchie to be in the U S army game for this coming year. Really thought he was. And plus what a personality that kid has. I think he'd yeah. be great yeah. for tele heaven on television. We, we've had him on this podcast. Oh, he, I thought, isn't he great? He, He's, well, speaking of, so, so that, you know, um, he actually yeah, he, committed. He, he actually committed to North, committed Carolina. To North Carolina on well, this podcast, and then a week oh, wow. later, flipped to NC State. <laughs> so, well, you you still got a, several months before you can get bring him in there. But uh, yeah, I liked I liked the uh, Jadon Blair, that big safety. I was surprised okay. how big he was. Yeah, I I didn't know he was six four. Yeah, and he can run as a safety. I thought he's he's definitely a four star plus guy. I know some people don't have him there, but I, I'm sure he'll wind up that way when you watch him on film. Um, covering the guys last year's class, especially down in uh, Charlotte with Jaden Davis and and um, his receivers, which you know Jordan Ship, his dad Steve was back in the '90s. I did a show at ESPN, and our last show we always did at Disney World, and we fly the top 25 guys down there. Steve Ship was one of those guys that came down to Disney World for three days. All we do is take us three hours to film a one-hour show, and then the kids got to go on rides for three straight days until Disney got cheap and told the kids, okay, one time, because they're taking up too much, because they would always let us. My son at the time was three, four, five years old. We did it for all throughout the 90s. 
And we'd go on the rides without waiting, which is a major, major plus. Because you go to Disney World, you have to wait an hour for every ride. Yeah. And the kids loved it. You had Peyton Manning, Randy Moss. You had Orlando Pace, Tony Gonzalez. All these great players throughout the 90s were down there. And Steve Ship was one of them. And so um, I didn't even realize until I saw him. And he said, oh, yeah, my dad played. And then we realized it was uh, Steve, uh, a big-time ball player out of Florida. Yeah. I think they're out of Florida. I'm not sure exactly. Him and him and his quarterback were two big-time guys that year. Let me ask you about North Carolina's quarterback in, this, in that class, in the 25 class. That's Bryce Baker. Obviously, Carolina's had some success with Matt Brown, with, with Sam Howe, and then Drake May. And then we'll see uh, with the Texas A&M transfer, Max Johnson this year, or Connor Harrell. But Baker is a guy – another high-level in-state quarterback um, that North Carolina's been had success with. What, what's your take on Baker's ability and what's he going to bring? Obviously, he's got another year in high school, but what do you see from him that puts him up, at, you know, a high four-star level quarterback? He was one of the guys I called ahead of time because I really liked his film, and I think he's a national guy, and he's a great catch. He was a, he was sturdier than I thought he was. he was. He was built pretty good. He had some weight on him. And you watch him, he's got very good arm strength. He's a very good athlete. Always has to be refined with their passing, which is a lot of the high school quarterbacks. But I think he could be a guy that could be a Heisman candidate in three years with uh, proper coaching, which I'm sure uh, North Carolina is going to give him. But he was one of the guys I was surprised with. I knew he was a good player but and watched him on film, but I was surprised at his, uh, his build. He was a sturdier guy than I thought he would be. So I actually took those kind of notes with him. And some of the guys moved up, like I mentioned, G. Don Blair, guys that were better than I thought they were. That's why a lot of times, and Don will agree, I think, is that you see them in person. You got to see these guys in person. Yeah. That's why I try to go nationally because most kids lie about their size. You know, if yes. they're six four, they're probably six two and a half. Yeah. They always add ten pounds to themselves. They always exaggerate their forty time, which you can't really see in person. But you can watch it on film just by how many steps they take for every five yards. You can see maybe they're four. Some guys, if they're four three, you don't have to even think about it. You could just watch them flying down the field, but kids have a tendency to exaggerate just about everything. And uh, their height is a big thing. And I think that's why it's good to see them in person. But also I think it's good. Like we had too big of a group there at Cardinal Gibbons, but I did try to talk to about 10 or 12 of them and their parents just to see how important football is and how much that means to them, because these are great ball players. And I think the last ingredient to be a great ball player is not just great height, great size, great speed, uh, you know, um, great production, but it's also how much do you really want it? Because once they get to college and they're playing against guys of their own size and their own speed, it really comes down to heart and desire and work ethic uh, to the guys that actually exceed to an extraordinarily uh, level. So I agree with you on the Bryce Baker. Cause I remember I went to his school. This was actually before he transferred. I was at Walker town, met him really quickly in the hallway, talked to him really quickly because he was, he was like a couple weeks away. It, it had already been decided that he was going to transfer, so it was already an awkward situation standing with his high school coach who was going to lose him. And then I remember it was like a like maybe a month later, he was he was coming afar from somewhere at um, I think it was a camp. Or I can't remember what it was. And I'm looking, I'm trying to decide who this kid is. And I'm like, well, he has to be a lineman because he was so tall. And then as he's getting closer, I'm like, oh my god, that's Bryce Baker. And yeah. he is definitely a well put together kid. The other thing too, if you haven't yet, his um. I mean, he's not a basketball recruit, but watch his basketball highlights. I mean, he's so explosive, you know, for, for a kid who's going to be a quarter or who is a quarterback and all of that. So explosive on the basketball court, which obviously bodes well for him. Um, before we let you go, though, I wanted to ask you, um, you mentioned a little bit about Mac Brown. Obviously, everybody who's listening and watching um, this now, well aware of Mac Brown, but you've known him for a very long time. What are some of your, um, your best uh, Mac Brown stories? You know, um, for one thing, uh, I've met Bo, I met Bear Bryant and Eric Parsegian and both Shembuck and Woody Hayes who went to his house in Upper Arlington to talk to him because I have, uh, I even mentioned, I even met Jim Crawley of the Four Horsemen of Notre Dame and Bronco Nagurski of Minnesota and Red Grange, who's from Chicago, the Wheaton area. Um, maybe the nicest and the most personable head coach I've ever met is Mac Brown. And he's not a phony, which a lot of the guys are. And I don't want to mention their name, but believe me in any walk of life, there's phonies and anything. But Mac is one of those wonderful guys. I remember once we were filming with him in Austin, Texas, and my camera crew came down and we're talking to 
Mac thinks of everything in recruiting. So mm-hmm. we get in the elevator and I smell roses. <laughs> oh, what the <laughs> heck is this? And then we get to the locker room and I smell roses. I says, coach, what the heck is all this going on? He goes, Tom, some of the mothers complained about locker rooms smelling too bad and the elevator smelling too bad. So we have a spray that comes out like every 10 seconds, like a spray of rose, like a rose smell that goes in the elevator in the locker room. I'm thinking, wow, this guy thinks of everything. No wonder <laughs> he had such great recruiting at Texas and at North Carolina, wherever he's been. He is one, you know, I did a Taj Mahal, a Taj Mahal. I did a Mount Rushmore. Uh, my best, uh, my six favorite coaches. So I had six on the a uh, couple of years ago on my TV show, and Mac was one of them, along with uh, 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 the best recruiters over the past six years. It was Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Pete Carroll, Phil Fulmer, and Mac Brown, and uh, Bobby Bowden was the other one. And he's definitely on that uh, Mount Rushmore of great recruiters. And personality-wise, of all those guys, he has to be the best too. So I think the parents of the kids. They understand a phony when they see him and our guy that's trying to tell a joke that he he's not a good joke teller or this and that. Mm-hmm. Mac is just a natural when it comes to recruiting. One of the the best I've ever seen when it comes to being just a natural. Nick Saban's probably the hardest working recruiter I've ever seen. But, you know, Nick has always been so serious. I, I sat in once when he was at LSU and he had this guy who's um, a recruit sitting around. Who's the, um, I think he wound up going basketball, big baby. But we're sitting there. Nick starts telling a joke. I got it. And, you know, it was all right. I laughed. The kid just stared straight at him. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't get the joke. Nick didn't tell the joke well. And it was, but he was trying real hard. Nick was just really good at all that stuff. And Mac is a natural at recruiting and the best I've seen over the years. Wanted to let you go. It's been fun to hear the stories. Let me ask you one last question. And I don't know if this is an easy one or a hard one, but. The number one best player you ever evaluated in your oh, forty-five an, years. That's an easy one. I said it before, Randy Moss. I I okay. was watching. I was with the pit coaching staff when Randy was a sophomore in Charleston, and um, I'm watching the kids. And one of the coaches go, "Hey, you're watching all these Western PA kids. The best player around here is, and down in West Virginia, a kid named uh, Randy Moss." So my son was with me, and at the time he was three or four years old. We got in my car and I drove the three hours to Charleston. And I went over to Belle DuPont High School and I asked the coach, because I had called him while I was uh, up in Pittsburgh. He said, yeah, come on down. And we went down there. I saw Randy as a sophomore. And like I said, I've been picking the USA Today team since 82. So I told the writer, Dave Kreider, I said, I just saw the best player in the country and he's only a sophomore. The very next day we had that, the biggest paper in the country. The best player I've seen as sophomore, Randy Moss, 6'4", 190 out of... Uh, Belle DuPont, a, a suburb of Charleston. And it, and it hit like crazy because no one knew about him except West Virginia Pitt. No one really recruited sophomores back in uh, whenever that was, 92, when he was a sophomore. Well, we lost Mr. Lemming there. So it's the nature of live radio, live YouTube streams. We'll let the national guys pay the bills. We'll be right back on the noon dish. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Anyway, it's uh, it's great stories there. We'll uh, you know, no uh, we're just just text him and tell him we, yeah. we dropped him out. It's uh, it's it's fascinating, Don, to hear the stories not only about you know Mac Brown or Randy Moss, but just the score, stories of the trail that you that you see there for the last forty forty five years. I mean, it's a little bit different for you, right? You just get people to send you stuff digitally. Uh, yeah, from, from the, um, 
the videos i mean you don't even have to do that i mean you just i mean just just about like really it's uh, the hit rates like 99 percent of the time you put a kid's name in google and their huddle their huddle account's going to pull up they most likely have highlights up there if they don't they at least have some of the um just clips from like a dozen other games or whatever and you can kind of go through those so yeah it's much easier now i can remember um I do remember the last school to give me a VHS, though. Who is that? Travis Bond, his coach in Bertie County High School. Which have you ever been to Bertie County? I mean, it's there's not a whole lot in Bertie County, is there? No, you go up there and it's yeah, yeah. There is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a um, tough area up there. Um, but uh, yeah, that was the last one they gave me the VHS. So from that standpoint. Did you still yeah. have a tape player? Did you because I don't? Yeah, I still have. I actually have right now, and I'm I'm debating on. Um, I have one of those dual, um, the VHS DVD, and they copy and all this sort of stuff. And I have it actually sitting out over here because I pulled it out when I was doing some organizing, and I'm like, should I get rid of this? Should I try to sell it? I think I can actually sell it. I went and looked on eBay, and it's actually I can probably get like 180 bucks for it. But um. So I'm thinking about that. I haven't had to use it in a long, long, long time because you don't even use DVDs, you know? Uh, can I bring um, you all my – I've got, like, in my closet right over here, I've uh, got boxes and boxes of VHS tapes of Carolina games, of birthday parties, of everything you can imagine. Can I get you to burn them all to DVD? We can. Well, well I, I will let you come to my house, <laughs> and you can you can do all the burning. We can watch some sports or whatever, but um, – or you're welcome to borrow it for a little bit. Um, so, so it, Tar Heels for Life in the chat said, uh, "Lemming entered the transfer portal." Yeah, it it is a, uh, it is um, it's live television, folks. Yeah, virtually live television stuff. Yeah, happens, we but. it was because he was still talking, and um, you know, was, you, what what do we do? You know what I mean? It was kind of like a what what do we do sort of situation, but. Yeah. But anyway, let's get back focused. We got a top five coming up in just a minute. Top five comic book characters. Don, anything from your weekly scoops without sharing your scoops that you can share for us? One thing I found interesting is that your your quote-unquote national recruit list doubled in size. Mm -hmm. um, your high power, I guess, in doubling the national recruits, the high power five list suffered. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always so um it's always so hard to yeah, because I mean really a lot of those guys are being recruited. I mean that that's probably a small group anyway if you think about who kind of fits into that category anyway, you know? Um So so let me ask you the hard question and this is inside Carolina's new dish and inside Carolina recruiting. Why is Bryce Baker not a national recruit? Lemming said he probably should be. Yeah, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think um, I would like to see. I I don't want to, even though I'm going to have natural biases. I try not to. I try to be sub as subjective as as possible, or as objective as possible. Um, and it, it's you know obviously it's it's difficult. So I do try to be a little bit harder when it comes to the UNC commits. And I think even though people might get, I don't think I'd get too much pushback on it, but um, if, if you do get irritated with me for that, just understand that that's, I think, for the benefit. And so what I would like, I guess, is maybe to see him in some of the upcoming showcase camps for quarterbacks, particularly, you know, the lead 11, if he can't make that. I haven't even talked to him about what, what he plans on doing these things. But um, I know that, I mean, he went to the, um, the national combine in um san antonio in early january so i imagine it's on his radar and the basketball season should be over by then to go to either elite 11 or the under armor camp in charlotte to where he can kind of get into in those situations and see how he does how he fares against you know quarterbacks like that because one of the things he d he doesn't do seven on seven you know um like a lot of these other guys do um because most I, I assume it's because of basketball but um, I'm a huge fan of his, and and really, I mean, I'm not trying to say he's going to be as good as, but I mean, there's a lot of parallels with him and and Drake May, to be honest. You know, both of them were um, smart quarterbacks, 
um, good frames, sneaky athleticism, um, great basketball players in high school. You know, Drake was a great basketball player, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, I'm sure playing against his brothers kind of helped that a lot. But Bryce is the same sort of way, you know, and um, so I kind of feel like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not projecting Bryce to be like a first-round draft pick or anything like that. I, I don't want to put that on him, but um, very similar to that. But, yeah, I mean, it's just me being careful, me wanting to see a little bit more. I guess I would rather bump someone up than drop them. So just want to see a little bit more of this offseason from that stuff and just and, and also see how it goes for this season. He definitely passed all of the tests, I feel, in my eyes at least, during the um, during his – junior season you're playing in a new school playing against better competition that sort of thing so i guess the question maybe that what would separate drake if this is fair is is baker as big a competitor as drake was or is um because it'd yeah. be hard to be th- yeah that yeah 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 and you know what? even their temperaments are so similar too because off the field, Drake was just, you know, that all shucks, oh, yes, sir, no, sir, oh, man, you know, I just try to, you know, and that's how Bryce is. Bryce is very, he's, he's a different personality, you know, um, but um, definitely, you know, has that same sort of temperament as far as, like, being kind of easygoing off of the, off the field sort of thing. But, yeah, as far as, yeah, I, I mean, that's the other thing. I, I want to see that a little bit more. The thing that always stood out to me with, with Drake was just his vision and how he just, I, you know, just saw things within the defense and where to go and just how effortlessly he made decisions and all of that. Um, obviously, would like to see that with, with Bryce also. Be fun to watch. He's got another year. It's crazy. We're talking 2025, guys, and it's just 2024. North Carolina's recruiting class. Keep up with it with Don Callahan on Inside Carolina Premium. A couple things I haven't done is I haven't talked about Johnny T-Shirt yet. JohnnyT-Shirt.com, sponsors of the podcast. Great place to get all your Carolina gear, especially the baseball jerseys are on fire now. Nike's got four different ones. Johnny T-Shirt's got them all. But you can get anything related to Carolina at JohnnyT-Shirt.com. And Congruity, CongruityHR.com, front slash Tar Heels for a small to mid-sized business. Uh, you know, you go to them, you ask them what they can do to help you. They tell you what they can do to help you. For free and if you like it great if you don't don't use it but if if you listen to them perhaps you can be a national business like they've been able to do you can be a, the don callahan that rules the area they can get you to the tom lemming status and do the national stuff and uh that, that's always the goal is to go big go national just like we're talking about bryce baker being a national recruit Congruity can help you get your small business, mid-sized business, to be that national brand. Don, um, are we going to do top five? Yeah. Do we have anything else we want to? Um... Anything else you want to hit on here? I thought Lemming was excellent. Um, I hate we lost him on the Randy Moss discussion. Yeah. Um, Randy Moss. Well, that's the one thing. So I've known Tom for a while now, um, and and I've you know I've had dinner with him and just. The stories, like we could probably go forever. The stories, and and as you saw, it kind of he goes into one story and kind of leads into another, and it's so cool. Just, I mean, I mean, he's he's dealt with Dan Marino when he was a freaking in high school, which just blows my mind, you know. And, and basically, any anyone who's played in the NFL, out or most of the people who played in the NFL the past what thirty years. You know, Tom Lemming has interviewed when they were in high school, which is just it's absolutely mind blowing to think about, you know, um, which is kind of kind of cool. He's talking about Eric Dickerson, you know, I mean, Hall of Fame guys. It's just it's, it's crazy, yeah. you know, and, and it's always cool to listen to people. You know, my, one of my favorite things and I'm getting older now, but to listen to older people tell stories about stuff they've done and especially as cool in this realm, in the sporting realm. Um, and, and Mr. Lemming certainly has been all over everywhere for a long, long time, driving all over the country, getting tapes and, and having having all the coaches come to your house to watch tapes on recruits. That's, one thing I thought he that was really good, Don, and this is something that I'm sure you do as well, he gleaned what to look for and how to rate these recruits at all the positions based on what college coaches needed and wanted out of them. I mm-hmm. thought that was a fascinating – because I see a guy, I see a dude that's like 6'5", 240. I'm like, a dude's a stud. I mean, he might not be able to play a lick. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm going to think, look, it's ridiculous. And then he's he's gotten it from absolutely um, talking to the guys that have done it at the highest level, recruited and coached. So that was fascinating. Let's talk about top five. Yeah. Um, Your phone's blowing up. So yeah, it's, it's probably time. time for you to, what do you say? It messed up? It, no, he just said give, uh, give him a call. So, um, right. yeah, let's go top five. All right, top five, Yancey Collins, top five, uh, Marvel, Avenger, DC Comics, any comic book par- characters, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Hulk, Captain America, in that order. Preston always has jokes, um, but I do agree with one on the list. Deadpool, the Joker, the raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy, the Tick, and Ross's grandpa. <laughs> uh, Paul Hornbuckle, Batman, Pennyworth, Jim Gordon, Joker, Scarecrow. Sean Crawley, Hulk, Spider-Man, Superman, Captain America, Iceman. Is that Arnold Schwarzenegger's Iceman? Wasn't he that? In like yeah, Batman didn't he one of the... Two or something? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, top comic book characters, Thundar the Barbarian. I'm not sure who that is, if that's some inside joke. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let you do yours. What's yours, Don? All right. So, um... Yeah, I kind of wrote names, scribbled names out and all that. So my number five, Punisher. And um, I, I don't know. I just liked him. One of the things that got me into comic books was I had found a, a I don't know if it was a box or bag or whatever, in um, in the schoolyard of Marvel um, cards. And so in the first series. So I actually ended up uh, completing that series. It's one of the things I sold a long time ago. But anyway, and so that kind of got me into cards. But for whatever reason, I like the, the Punisher card. That in the in the um, Ghost Rider. Um, oh, Ghost Rider wow. was the one that was really, it was a rookie card, if that can ever be a thing. But it was a rookie card. And so that one was probably the most expensive one. Um, and I can remember buying it for a $1.50 at the, the local uh, card store down, around the corner from my house. But anyway, that's number five. Deadpool. That's mostly because of um, the the movies are great. You know what's his uh, I name? Just, I was hoping you don't you say that. I just think it's stupid. I I like the the humor, um, the goofiness, and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I can I I don't know if I've ever seen a Deadpool comic or ever opened one. I guess I should say. Um, number three, Joker. Especially like when when you're considering the movies and um, what was the, I guess it was just called Joker. That um, movie is deep. Yes, yes, definitely not something I would recommend for children, but um, good movie. I thought. I thought it was extremely, extremely deep, and I don't know if depressing's the word. Maybe it's the word yeah. for it, but I love that movie. I love Heath Leather Heath Leather Heath Ledger's Joker. Batman. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a shame he he's not with us anymore to reprise that. But yeah, yeah, I've always liked the Joker in in whatever form he was in. And then my number two is Gambit because that was like at the first magazine, first comic book that I had where it was a first appearance, and so that was probably the most expensive comic book that I owned. Um, and uh, yeah. And I ended up getting it, like, I think my mom bought me, like, a one of those where you can, the grab bags, you buy, like, 25 of them, you bring them home, you have no idea what they are, you open them up, and that's, and one of them was Gambit's first edition. And the number one, Wolverine, always like Wolverine, thought it was cool with the nails, or whatever, the claws, or whatever it is, and, <laughs> and the, uh, the, the, you know, how he could, um, he was indestructible or whatever. I never really watched the movies, but I heard he died in one, which I thought was kind of weird, because I thought he couldn't die, but whatever who's your top five all right batman's on the list i don't know if these are in order because i think joker would be my number one just okay because uh i love that and somebody mentioned scarecrow too scarecrow in yeah. the video game the first arkham asylum video game is epic um, mm-hmm. i always like hulk we mm-hmm. had do you remember stretch armstrong and, and those toys this before your time probably but we had, i do remember stretch armstrong they were like maybe a foot and a half tall and you could stretch them a, a million ways. And if you ever busted them, it was like some purple goo or something <laughs> in there, but we had a Hulk version that was cool. So that's, I like, um, I always like if we go to 
like a Star Wars character, which is is not necessarily comic books, but like Boba Fett. I always like Boba Fett. You see Mandalorian, um, Svechnikov behind me there on my table, but those type, and you mentioned Ghost Rider too. I didn't really consider Ghost Rider as a comic book character, but I kind of like that movie. Um, is that the Nicolas Cage movie? Yeah. I, so I don't like, like Nicolas Cage, so I don't watch I don't movies. care for him, but I like the flame and skull and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm obviously yeah. uh, kind of into that stuff. But um, Yeah. And as far as the Avengers and all those things, somebody mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy. Man, the raccoon in the last one tore me tore me to pieces. That, that, was, that was a struggle. Um, can't watch that movie anymore. Dude, I oh, cried I, watching Guardians of the Galaxy. I have no idea what you're talking about because I've never watched any of those. You need to watch those. Okay. Anyway, it's uh, yeah, I'd probably say Batman's number one, but it's the first Batman. Okay. You know, the Dark Knight, that one. So. Wait, wait, the first one isn't the first one with Michael Keaton. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking okay, about so the, dark, the second the first Knight. one. Yeah. The okay. se- or maybe the third or fourth. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I think yeah, who knows? Because there's been so many, and they keep on resetting, and changing the origin like slightly. I've never been a fan of. Like Captain America, and Superman, no. Spider Man. I don't. I never really liked them, but um, a lot of cool stuff. I, I was never a comic book person, but you know. yeah, not so much either. But it is what it is. Superman, David Crockett, Daniel Boone, Mickey Mouse, Sky King, from Steve Blakely. Anything left on? Let's get out of here. Within we we're almost under an hour. We're six seconds over it. But closing thoughts on Noon Dish. I guess we'll be back in two weeks. Yeah, back in two weeks, and I think that would be the dead period will have ended, so we'll have a little, hopefully a little bit more to talk about. You know, I know it's been kind of dry the last couple of weeks, but... You can tell us about your call with Tom Lemming, um, okay. <laughs> and you can tell stories next week or two weeks from now, but that'll do it for this edition of Noon Dish. Like I said, Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, congruity logo right here on the screen. Check them out. Do everything you can to support our sponsors. They... They're what help us bring this to you. For Don Callahan, I'm Tommy Ashley. And for Inside Carolina fans, thank you for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.